The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Mitch Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Uh, there's one square missing. My goodness, the boss is away. The kids will play. What's going on here? Good morning, hey, good morning Scott. Scott. Hey, Mitch. Hey, yeah, so so Don is uh Don is enjoying himself some uh well-deserved R and R um at uh, destinations unknown, Mitch, I guess. <laughs> He's Someone. off the grid. He's off the grid. So you two are uh, are going to handle the show today, and uh, I know uh, that we were just talking before coming on air. Uh, there was an interesting article, I believe it was in the Globe this week, and we've been always talking about you know getting through this pandemic and where we are, and 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 now obviously coming out of it and hybrid work, what the new template looks like, and I, I I'm sure we're not in it yet, but fascinating uh, article about how major companies are rethinking their footprint, rethinking their office space, rethinking those mammoth headquarters buildings uh, that they have. And uh, it's fascinating how we're seeing a decline in major areas, but in remote areas farther outside of the big cities, we're seeing a demand for that sort of thing as people kind of uh, move out. I, the Really, I, I don't think any of this is set in stone yet. I think this is going to be a, a learning process for the next few years. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think this this new normal, is it's another example of how fluid new normals are, because yeah. it is, is certainly uh, in transition. Uh, there are a lot of people that are, uh, that are given or provided the opportunity to work on a hybrid type program where sometime at their place of work, working from home as well. Uh, there are there are some companies that are mandating their employees back. You know, we've, mm -hmm. we've seen that as well. But uh, yes, uh, office space and, and the high rents and, and certainly in the high density areas like Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, it'll be very interesting to see over time what happens or whether we'll see another twist or turn down mm -hmm. the road. Uh, and it's interesting, as you've said, it, this is not set in stone yet. I think everybody's situation is different and it will continue to evolve. And I know what Mitch wants to, to touch on. I mean, over your lifetime and, and certainly coming out of a global pandemic, your goals change, your, you know, things change and, and things need to be adjusted. Uh, life doesn't stay the same, does it? Right. Uh, no, you're totally correct there. And that's something that we bring up in all of our meetings is to find out all of our clients' goals. Some are just putting away money for the sake of putting it to work and not sure what it is for or when they're actually going to need it. Uh, the problem with this is many think creating a financial plan is that is along the lines of a set it and forget it situation when that is, like you mentioned, as far from the truth as people are changing constantly with their values. And you mentioned COVID, work from home. There are so many things that are constantly changing all the time and your plan should be changing with you as your life changes as well. Um, as people, we're not always great at planning for the long term. Our, our team has found out this true, the world of financial planning. When we talk to clients about their long term plans, one of the hardest questions for them to answer is where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years or even as far as 30? If I'm talking to clients that are in their 20s or 30 year old clients and we're talking about retirement in 50, 60 year old range, it's tough for people to forecast and really 
decide what they're looking to do, but uh, having a concise goal as to what they're looking for really helps for planning. And it's not always the way our minds work that make long-term financial planning a challenge. The truth is that your values are going to change over time and your financial plan needs to keep up. If you look at what your values were when you were 18 and maybe putting some money away, hopefully every month, if you're smart and to start young, like Don always suggests here, uh, if you take a look at what your values are now, I bet you look, they're very different. I know I'm 30 years old and my values from when I was 18 was are significantly different from then. And I'm sure Gary's yours are as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Things change. And, and uh, you know, just like we were talking about the, uh, the whole working from home versus at your workplace situation, goals are extremely fluid and the lens we look through continues to evolve. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you also have to think with, you know, you're talking about uh, younger people and getting them started, Mitch, um, you know, there's been so much talk about housing and, and trying to get even into housing. So how do you get a young person's head and say, I, I know you're working on this right now and you got like a million other things on your plate, but here's something you should be looking at as well. I mean, when there's so many other things like the housing crunch. Well, when you're talking to, if you're looking at younger people and you're talking about getting into the housing market, if if you can show them the how compound interest really works and putting away a thousand bucks a month, if possible, or even a hundred bucks a month and kind of extrapolating that to as far as let's say five years down the road and how much it's going to be worth, that big number of the down payment, as well as your mortgage costs are going to look a little smaller rather than, oh, I only I can only put away a hundred bucks a month. Well, that's going to grow significantly over five years, 10 years, as you also grow and you're able to work more so you can put away more as well. Uh, there is also that new account coming out in a couple of months called the First Home Savings Account, which is going to be a great help. And you can start putting $8,000 a year into that starting April 1st. And I've, I know I'm talking to a lot of people about that right now as my client base is a lot younger and they haven't bought their first home yet. So saving for a first home, that new account's going to be very helpful and lots of people are going to be able to chip away and put away monthly uh, starting in April. So that's going to be great. I think a lot of, a lot of younger people that we do work with, uh, we try and instill the fact that this is not a one and done type of, of relationship or situation. It's ongoing. So some of those longer term goals, Scott, that you were referring to down the road that are hard to sort of bring uh, various young people's attention to, uh, it's a process. And as long as we're doing our job in terms of meeting on an ongoing basis, reviewing things, updating things, the, the shorter term goals like, you know, I want to buy a car, eventually I want to buy a house, all those types of things that are more front end loaded for, for younger people, uh, they will come about in, in, in a manner that, that is doable. But the longer term goals, when we start talking about retirement, you know, as Mitch said earlier, we need to talk about that early, but we need to continue having those conversations and monitoring where we are on that path along the way and help keep uh, people focused. Yeah, and that's why our, our planning software, it's called the living plan, right? So it's living with you. It's constantly changing and it truly speaks to what a financial plan should be. And a good exercise to really go through with some clients is uh, to explain a little simpler is if you're thinking traveling somewhere. So let's take trip A here. Yeah, you're just going from your house to a nearby store or restaurant. What types of transportation might you take? Uh, you may choose to walk bike or if it's really cold like the other day here uh, you may drive even if it is that short but trip b you're going from hamilton to toronto and you're definitely not going to walk unless you're a real go-getter 
Uh, you might bike, but it's more likely you're going to use a car, bus, or train. And trip C, you're going from Ontario all the way to Florida, and you're very likely you're going to fly down and you're going to use an airplane. These different trips represent different goals. And the short trip that you can walk might be a goal of yours that it's under 18 months. Uh, it's a short-term goal. It's certainly classified as short-term. And you're going to use something that's not going to be as volatile. So if you're if it's a short-term goal, it's typically going to be sitting in cash. It's going to be high interest savings account or maybe mainly fixed income product. And this way, the volatility will be very minimal or non-existent to ensure that your funds are there when the goal of yours comes up. Trip B would represent a mid or long or medium term goal. So these goals are something that like likely be three to seven years. And this could range from saving for a trip, saving for a down payment or, or a home, a wedding, kids going to school, depending upon their age. There are different goals and everyone's different. These goals need to be invested differently than, uh, than short and long-term goals. And these ones can be trickier to invest, I find, because it, someone might tell you, well, it's a seven-year goal. And then in three years, they, they say, never mind, the goals already come up. So as I said, people's goals and values change. Well, also, so does some statements that people tell you of how long they're actually going to be invested for. So it, you don't want to be overly exposed into the equity market when you're investing these medium to long, to these medium term goals here versus planning for a long-term goal. You can have a little bit more equity exposure. So you might be looking for a balanced portfolio. So it has some equity exposure, but as well as some fixed income exposure as well. The... Longer term goal here, it's trip C, which would be that plane from Ontario to Florida, you'd classify for something typically over 10 years. Uh, this may be for retirement and possibly in your RSP. And this is going to mainly be in equities because it's going to give you a greater long term return. Uh, if you're looking for a volatility, uh, look at a 10 year time span is more, it's not going to be as volatile if it's invested over 10 years. But if it's if you're putting equities into a short-term investment, something under three years, and it's equities, you're going to see a lot more volatility versus if you're looking 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So you, you want to match the your uh, investments to your goal uh, for all of your short, medium, and long-term goals. Uh, they all have different investments, but they should also be used different accounts as well. So your TFSA, uh, could typically be used for medium to long-term goals, but also it could be used for a short-term goal as well. But your RSP, more often than not, is going to be a long-term goal because it is a registered retirement savings plan. So typically it's going to be used for retirement, but it may be used for the RSP homebuyers plan. If you've already established an RSP right now and you're not going to put that into the new first home savings account, well, then you may be trying to use that RSP as a as an RSP homebuyers fund, which you'll be able to take out and pay it back over 15 years. Um, and then there's, so there are lots of events that can cause a shift to your goals and your financial plan, marriage, divorce, changing jobs, uh, drastic change in income, new additions to the family. Humans, humans are interesting the way they tend to wait and naturally implement new changes, especially during periods like now in the new year or wait for a milestone birthday, like 30, 40, 50, or even my dad, who's now away on his 60th. So I can care to his priorities and goals have changed. Um, so what do you do when your priorities have changed? Your first step is to make sure that your new goals and priorities don't derail all your other goals that you've been working towards. The last thing you want to do is decide your goal is to buy a fancy car and totally put off your RSP contributions or put off your retirement goal savings. 
yes, that car will be very cool, but this may put your retirement off five plus years, especially easily from missing the compound growth and investing that large lump sum. So making sure that short-term interests don't derail your long-term goals and making sure that your financial planner is aware because we do factor in all of these decisions into all of our financial plans, uh, especially large lump sum purchases like cars, houses, loss of incomes. The living plan that we go through with all of our clients, it's just constantly changing. And there is more changes as the closer you get to retirement, as well as the first five years from retirement. Those are the, the slow go, the no go and the go go years right there. So making sure that your financial planner is aware of all of your changes constantly and constant communication is key for having a successful financial plan. You talked about how your goals change, you know, but you brought up your dad and I know we shouldn't talk about him when he's not here, but it is kind of fun. Uh, as he hit 60, his seemed to be going back to when he was a teenager again. Have you noticed that or is it just me? Maybe <laughs> maybe that's all in the mind, not necessarily in the portfolio. All right. We'll he's 18 in his head. That's it. That's it. <laughs> We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Mitch Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Gary Hogan and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 seven four two zero now it's interesting we were talking to, to mitch and and he gave us sort of the uh, the other angle of uh of our story i guess and now gary you want to talk about the process of aging yeah i think you know we we spend a lot of time uh certainly in 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 terms of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis as well as conversations that we've you know we've shared with listeners and with you of course over over time uh, where the focus is on the quantitative side of things, uh, developing strategies to, to help people work towards the various goals, financial and, and lifestyle goals that they have. So I thought today, uh, what I'm going to do is, is, is devote my segments to, uh, to those who are aging and the families of, uh, of that group of baby boomers and elders that are throughout our, our communities. And, and I'm going to begin with the, the power of older workers. And, and so this will be more of a holistic type of, uh, of discussion, I think. And as financial planners and advisors, we continually assist our clients in planning, preparing, and entering uh, retirement, the retirement stage. And there is, however, uh, a growing trend uh, of, of people that are aging to remain uh, in, in the, uh, or re-enter the workforce. You know, we're seeing that uh, on an ongoing basis. And people are doing that at what was traditionally a, a, a so-called retirement age. So the, the majority of, of maturing workers are there because they, they want to be. And uh, I know we were talking a few weeks ago, uh, Don was, was mentioning the different stages of retirement and uh, the honeymoon stage, which was the first stage, he was giving an example of a, of a client who all they wanted to do was, was golf every day. That was one of their goals. And uh, so they did that for a little while. And then it felt like a job because they, they had to be there at a certain time 
every day. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the sheen sort of wore off pretty quickly. So, um, you know, people that are, that are aging, that have, uh, that have moved into retirement or continued working past the so-called retirement age, they're not, they're not necessarily working because they have to at all. Uh, a lot of it's just by, by choice. And this group of people typically, um, they're, they're reliable in terms of the eyes of employers, they're reliable, they're loyal, uh, mature, professional, and, and certainly experienced in, uh, in, in many, many areas. And they're known to have a great work ethic and appreciate the opportunity to share and pass on their knowledge. And most have probably been with whoever they worked with uh, over over time for for quite a while. And uh, and there's been you know there's been an investment made in these people uh, in terms of training and, and development. And older team members, aging team members in any work environment understand the company and the corporate values, or at least pay more attention to what those are, to try and understand what they are, the culture, uh, the customers, and, and the, the job that needs to be done. So we're also talking about a, a, a longstanding work ethic that, that certainly has existed for some time. Um, they're ideal members of the workforce and, um, and they're getting ready to leave. And we're seeing that all the time. And as, as consumers and customers, are we ready for that? That's a question that we, we really need to be asking ourselves. Um, you know, and the term brain drain has been around for a long time. And it, it you know, even, even a decade or two ago, we were hearing a lot about that as it related to doctors leaving and going to the States and, and that type of thing. And, and so originally it was, it was, it would apply to, you know, the emigration of highly intelligent and experienced professionals that were leaving typically for economic reasons. You know, that, that was the, the those were the earliest stages of the, the brain drain. But um, now today, that term is is really used in reference to the the current and pending retirement of of the the baby boomer cohort, which is which is as we all know a very significant cohort. And according to a recent survey, the baby boomer generation, and this this was the feedback that was received, the best educated, most highly skilled aging workforce in history. Although they're only about uh, just under forty percent of the workforce, they comprise more than half of all managers almost half of all professionals, such as doctors and lawyers. So it, it, it's, you know, certainly um, if that's the, the sentiment, then obviously it's a, it's a significant asset. And um, it was identified too that, that human resource professionals uh, identify this as a potential or, or rarely identify this as a potential problem for the workforce. Um, and have not developed any real strategies to, to deal with that. So people with experience, uh, ethic, work ethic, and so on are leaving their roles as we speak on an ongoing basis, even if they're their second careers, uh, sort of post-retirement. Post um, you know, so it does, it does present unique challenges though when an aging person is in a particular uh, work environment that uh, they decided to, to move into uh, a little later in life, there can be discrimination in the in the form of negative stereotypes uh, about about that person. Um, there's concerns, perhaps, about their health and and uh, the the drain on pension benefits and and so on in in larger companies. Uh, there's there's an assumption, a prevailing assumption, that older workers cannot learn new skills, and and I'm sure that there's there's some truth in that in terms of. Uh, abilities to be as technically savvy 
as uh, as the likes of Mitch and others are, but um, but that that certainly is a is a pretty widespread assumption, and uh, and as I alluded to, assumptions that older workers will present increasing health challenges that require uh, more time off and, and things like that. Gary, do you think that uh, the way we view those people, those members of the workforce, has changed over the years and? And let me present this this way. Um, you know, I've been doing what I've been doing for almost 40 years. I remember being a young guy in the business. I remember meeting veteran people who I, you know, grown up following and, and so on and so forth. And just being mesmerized by their experience, by their stories, by their knowledge, by things that they would share. Is that environment still there? Or is it you're taking up a seat that I should be having? Your generation has more than my generation, and I'm pissed off about that. It uh, seems that there's a, a little bit more of a competition as opposed to a mentoring. There's a lot of that because uh, in a lot of work situations, those aging people, those experienced people with some snow on the roof and so on that have been doing what they do very, very well, um, there, there is that sense that you're in my way. Get out of my way. You're, you mm -hmm. should be gone. You're taking up this position that I want and, uh, and you're, you're really just taking up space. And the other thing is, you know, we've, we've sort of lost sense of the value of how well people uh, do their job. You know, mm. and how often these days do you hear the term, you know, master carpenter, mm. master, like, you know, in, in the trades and certainly in, in a lot of other walks of life, um, things have changed so quickly that, you know, what is, is new today will be gone tomorrow, but, but younger people latch onto that as an asset, feel it's an asset, yet things, because things are changing so quickly, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't sort of uh, be compartmentalized as experience because they move on and do things differently very quickly. That's just the world we're in right now. Mm -hmm. The wealth of knowledge that, that people have gained by being in an environment for years and years where things didn't change as much, it was easier to accumulate that that concrete knowledge and 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 yeah. and, and so Good on, point. which which change you know it's just a different world in in that regard, and uh, you know another thing too, younger uh, people that are younger that are supervising older workers um, sometimes have a have a problem with that. They have a challenge with that. It's hard to tell you know uh, Mr. Smith who's seventy years old that he needs to take shorter breaks. Or whatever the case may be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so there's, you know, there's some, there's some real challenges. But I would say, to your point, I would say one of the bigger things is just what you said. It's the, it's the resentment that that moving up the ladder becomes more difficult because a lot of people are in these other positions. But you talk to a lot of employers, and and those are the kind of of individuals that they that they want, and and businesses. A lot of business we're see, businesses now we're seeing look to to those you know those kinds of individuals because of the 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 attitude towards work you know taking such a responsible uh, outlook on on things and so on so I think um, you know yes yes there's a uh, when you have an opportunity to hire someone who not only is committed to doing what you want them to do and do the best job that they can because that's their that's their their work ethic. Um, then that's a that's a certainly a major attraction. Um, but people that are in that boat right now, they they are leaving. And then what we're seeing a lot too is they're asked to come back on a contract basis. They're asked to come back to 
to fill a void because because of that that lack of experience that that is existing, especially in smaller companies where where they played a, a, a keyer role. Um, you know, for for decades now, uh, you know, employers have benefited from from the work ethic that baby boomers have had, and people outside of that window, the you know, uh, 1946 to 64. I'm not I'm not just talking about that window, but um, the, the work ethic that existed, I mean, uh, that group of people sort of grew up through a period where uh, the attitude towards their career was really, really important. And, and uh, in fact, probably in many cases, more so than it, it should have been. Yeah. The, the, the life work balance uh, was a little askew. And, uh, and again, that was because, because everything was changing in the sense that companies were were consolidating, centralizing, jobs were disappearing, technology. You know, you think back to about 19, late 80s, even 1990, um, technology was was just a yeah. fraction of what it is now, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we're only talking, you know, 30 years or so. So uh, the way things were done, as I said earlier, they didn't really change that much for, for a long time. Um, and, and workaholic, how many times did we hear the term workaholic about uh, people, you know, in that age range over the years that they were, they were actually working? So, you know, that, that type of, uh, in the eyes of companies, that type of human capital is, uh, is becoming more and more rare. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to see, see what, uh, what happens in, in that place. You know, that, that saying uh, that we hear a lot now, if, if, we, if we sort of zero in on the trades, uh, the fact that in another 20 years, everything will be broken and there'll be nobody to fix it, hmm. right? Hmm. And uh, I was talking with, uh, with, with a couple of electricians the other day, actually. And, you know, they were saying the same thing. And it's, it's, they just, even, even one fellow who was a, a fifth year apprentice was saying, I don't know why more people don't want to get into the trades because there's, there's jobs, there's lots of jobs, there's great opportunities and, and so on. And, uh, but certainly uh, I know that there was a, a movement with the colleges for a while where they seem to be promoting uh, some of these programs, but uh, it seems to have sort of cooled a bit, uh, maybe, maybe because of COVID, post-COVID, I, I'm not really sure. Um, so we know that, you know, that, that in any work environment, when you throw together uh, a group of multi-generational people, it's, uh, it, there's going to be some challenges. And, and those challenges have to be understood and they, they, have to be, they have to be worked through. So some tips for, this is really, you know, the, for the lens that employers and businesses look through. So some tips for so uh, greater engagement and, and retention. Uh, you know, start having conversations with your staff early in the process to discover, you know, more about their intentions and their aspirations. Uh, acknowledge and appreciate their experience. We're talking again about the, the people that are aging uh, in terms of the, the workforce. You know, talk about what, what it is that they're, they're hoping to accomplish and, uh, and certainly, you know, acknowledge what their, their contribution is. Uh, let them know that you want them to stay, you know, regardless of some of the challenges that we talked about in terms of, of uh, attitudes and assumptions that, that some coworkers may have, you know, let them know that you, you really do want them to stay. And again, as I said earlier, a lot of these people in these situations are working not necessarily because they have to. 
you know, and I, I do remember a few weeks ago, Don was talking about the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people just make that choice. They want to do something different from what they did for, for 30 years or whatever the case may be, but they still want to work. They still want to be involved in a, in a work environment. And uh, so we can't, we can't make the mistake of just assuming that everyone who's working into their 70s or, or even early 80s is doing so because they have to, you know, because that would certainly be, be wrong. I'm finding um, that to be more common right now. We have so many people that I know that just want to retire from their job, take up a part-time job, maybe work two or three days a week. And it's just something that gets them out of the house, keeps them sharp, gives them purpose. Even my 85-year-old grandfather, he's still working right now, not because he has to, but because it keeps him sharp. And yeah. that's it, he's so good with technology and all sorts of new stuff. And he's in his mid-80s. He's docu-signing. He's doing all sorts of stuff. And I think it's it's really important for people to keep that edge by keeping some sort of job, whether it's paid or unpaid, but yeah. something in retirement, it's huge. Yeah, it's a big thing. I mean, now we're talking about two things, two things that are critical, Mitch, right? We're talking about uh, movement, physical activity over the years to continue that and also mental uh, you know, activity. Very, very critical. So uh, just kind of uh, summarizing things, then I think, um, you know, what we have to look at is, is uh, finding, finding the right sort of match, first of all, in terms of the, the type of, of mix of, of people that we have in any work environment. And, uh, you know, certainly we see a lot of, of aging people that are working in the retail environment. And, and part of that reason is because there's an opportunity to have very flexible hours and not work full time. Uh, you know, maybe work a couple of days a week and, and to be able to benefit from and enjoy those, those kinds of things that, that you were referring to, Mitch, in terms of just feeling like they're, they're staying sharp. And it's also the social part of things, you know, because what's the alternative yeah. for some people? If their circle is, if their network is just not that large, it's, it's very, very important that they're able to exercise that, you know, that, that contact and, uh, and socialize with other people and make that part of their lives. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Gary Hogan and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Mitch Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. All right, football on the minds of many. Uh, and football and finance, they mix, don't they? Like uh, we, we can work something else, uh, something out here. Can't we, Mitch? Yeah. What football is going to teach us about personal finance. And I, I don't want to mention gambling because obviously every other commercial on TV right now is gambling. So yeah. I don't want to mention that, but uh, thankfully Gary's on the air with me today. So we can actually talk about how much we're in misery about the Cowboys. Um, my, my dad's oh. a commander fan. So he would be laughing as his butt off right now at me but thankfully gary two cowboy fans today just a bunch of misery <laughs> too much too, too long too much yes yeah i feel like a leaf fan here but, uh... <laughs> hey leave us out of it 
<laughs> no, we got to bring you with us. <laughs> but Misery loves super... company. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't suffer together, who can you suffer with? <laughs> but with the Super Bowl coming up tomorrow, we're nearing the end of the football season. And many of us have been watching our favorite teams in the season and some of us in the playoffs, indulging in what fun comes with with that. But there are a surprising number of parallels between what happens on the field and how we manage our finances. So let's take a look and see what strategies we can take away from the sport uh, and financial planning. So the red zone. The red zone in football is when the offense has the ball inside the 20-yard line of the opponent's side. A winning team usually performs well in the red zone, plays within these 20 yards, require precise execution, and offer little room for error. There's a lot riding on the effort since success in this zone, zone usually comes with winning the game. I believe there's a financial red zone that stretches from five to 10 years before and five years to possibly as much as 10 years after retirement. This is when paying attention to details like saving more, budgeting properly, and avoiding mistakes uh, is critical to a successful retirement. These years are crucial because there's little time before retirement to correct mistakes, such as taking too much risk. You want to be protecting the assets you've worked so hard to accumulate and investing new money potentially more conservatively. As you get closer to retirement, this red zone should be when you're likely seeing your financial advisor more often than when you were 20 years younger. There are a lot more factors into consideration when you're in this zone, like when you when you should take CPP, when you should take OAS, are you eligible for the old age tax credit, pension credit, what income is needed to cover your expenses for the desired lifestyle, and where's that income going to come from? Are you going to be income splitting? What do you want your retirement to really look like? There are many factors to this zone and making sure you're clear and concise on your financial goals in this red zone, as well as executing, is crucial to a successful financial plan. The next one is the hurry up offense. This tactic lets team adopt a faster approach to play when they're running out of time and need to gain a lot of ground the right way. We see a similar situation in personal finance when people feel like they're behind in savings and investings. If they don't think they have enough money for retirement, they're willing to take more risk than is actually prudent. It's a dangerous reaction and can mean gambling with money that is meant to last a lifetime. Yes, pre-retirees and retirees need some element of growth, but very few are in the position to pursue aggressive growth and accept the risks that accompanies it. Making sure your funds are consistently properly allocated and diversified across all sectors and countries is crucial to a financial plan. It's human emotion in nature to always want to chase what is doing well uh, because you feel like you're missing out. That the term is called FOMO and it can seriously give you the urge uh, in your gut and it feels right to really dive into the certain sectors, whether that's the tech sector during COVID or other or oil last year, making sure you have a financial planner that keeps you in the proper allocation, constantly rebalancing, rebalancing if one of these countries sectors does well is very important to a financial plan. The next is the victory formation. With the win in hand, a team can assume the victory formation, allowing the quarterback to take a knee as the clock runs out. Um, it's the same with retirement. If you saved enough to retire comfortable, you may not need to grow your money anymore and take the market risk associated with a growth strategy. You only have one shot to get retirement right, so why blow the winning position? Why should you take more risk than you need to? Uh, you've worked your entire life, and if your situation allows you to take less risk, then why not do it? It could reduce your stress levels by going from a growth portfolio 
to a more conservative portfolio, reducing the volatility. It might help you sleep a little bit more at night. And as long as you're beating inflation, uh, besides the state goals, there's no need to take added risk and add more stress to your life. And the last one here is a good coach makes a makes a difference. A good coach can make or break a team or franchise. We've seen it firsthand, the NFL. Uh, let's look at Andy Reid this year. Uh, he's been doing great with Mahomes. And uh, in financial planning, an advisor is there to be your coach. Financial planners help you build a smart game plan. You can benefit from their knowledge, experience, and objectivity in developing and implementing a winning strategy. It's beneficial to have another set of eyes on your portfolio to ensure on the right track and doing everything possible to achieve your financial retirement. Uh, your financial planner is your life coach. When someone asks me what I do as a financial planner, the real quick statement is I help people make high value decisions with high levels of advice. So make sure you're getting advice from a, a CFP professional. And uh, that's, uh, that's how football and financial planning is related. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Mitch Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back with our last segment. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Gary Hogan and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Gary, we've been talking about process of aging and cognitive reserve. What is that? Yeah, cognitive reserve is something I read about recently, and uh, it really relates to uh, the, the process that we all individually go through as we're, we're aging. And there's a, there's a lot of uh, science that has gone into this particular study. And, uh, you know, we all know that we're, we're, people are living longer, but the, the question always is, are we living better? Are we living disability free? Are we, are we enjoying our life over time? And, and most would agree, it's not just about adding, you know, adding years to, to your life. It's about creating a, 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 you know, an experience that, that you're, you're enjoying as much as possible. It's enriching, it's rewarding and all those kinds of things. So too often, um, you know, we, we all know people, uh, sometimes family members who struggle with cognitive decline, you know, as they, as they transition into, into later years. And, you know, is it, a lot of people are asking now, is this something that's inevitable? I mean, will, will things change for me as, as the clock keeps ticking over a long period of time? And I will, I will lose a measure of my ability to uh, be the person that I am today. And, you know, and why is it that some individuals seem to, to navigate through that progression better than others? And, and, you know, this is, these are the things that scientists are looking at. Is it, you know, is there a secret to, to stalling or overcoming cognitive decline? Are there things that we can do? Now, if you go on the internet, there's all kinds of things that are on there that suggest you can do various, you can take various measures. But, you know, I, I, I question everything I've ever seen. I, I question it because it, as, as with most things that are on the internet, um, in, as far back as the late 1980s, researchers noticed a, a, an anomaly 
so, with people that were that whose cognitive awareness was declining. And um, there was a there was a brain pathology um, that varied from person to person. And, and so the pathology in this case is a, is a bridge between the science and the medicine study, the medical study. Um, and it's a medical discipline, uh, you know, that, that provides diagnostic information, basically. So um, there was an evidence of a, of a decline in overall cognitive functioning while people were alive in, in this particular study. And others with, with lower brain pathology, as they called it, uh, showed a much uh, better or, or greater uh, ability to deal with it. So basically, uh, a range of people, some with the same type of, of physical uh, impairment, if you will, cognitive impairment of the brain, but some were able to ward it off longer, deal with life longer before they, they succumb to any real, real problems. So, um, this led to a study of, of what they called cognitive reserve and cognitive reserve refers to the mind's resistance to, to damage to the brain in, in, in very simple terms. And some brains are, are, are just better to compensate for the damage that takes place over the years and, and to establish alternate ways of, 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 of getting through life. And basically, the the two the two areas that 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 comprise cognitive reserve is a person's education level, and that education level is not in the strictest sense. It's uh, years of education, occupational uh, achievements over time, uh, reading habits, vocabulary, things like that. And then the other measure is lifestyle, social activities, which we talked about earlier. How important that is, and cultural, social, and cultural activities. Those are the components of of cognitive reserve. So uh, can we increase our, our cognitive reserve? In other words, can, are there ways of building that up so that we're better able to, to deal with any physiological things that, that might happen? Um, you know, the, the thing is, the, there, there's really two components. There's, there's the cognitive aspect as far as not being able to understand or deal with things or think things through uh, as we once did. But then there's the other part of it, which is memory. And it's interesting that, that there are people who suffer cognitively where uh, they're just finding it difficult to, uh, difficult to have conversations as they once did and so on to communicate. But their memory could be still very good, even the, even the short-term memory. Whereas other people, the short-term memory is, is, is severely impacted. And, but for all of us, you know, at a certain stage, how many times have we walked into a room? with the express purpose of doing something. And we stop, we stand there and go, ah, <laughs> and then- You only had to say two <laughs> words of that sentence that I knew exactly where you were going with that. So, so typically what, it, what most often happens, at least admittedly, is that a few seconds go by, oh yeah, I was in here to do this. I guess the other option is you walk out again and you move on to something else. Um, some studies showed that there was an association between brain size and cognitive function, but, but there were other studies that, that conflicted with this. So this is still very much uh, something that with, with the, the degree of, of uh, cognitive issues that are, that, that are prevalent today, obviously this is, is one of the things that, 
is front and center in terms of the the medical and the scientific communities just trying to to understand it you know better than than we have in the past we have been planning your financial future i'm scott thompson gary hogan and mitch fox have been here from fox group private wealth management you can find out more at donfox.net you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Another great show. Have a great week and uh, enjoy the big game. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.